0: Get there, please stand, we'll read, the, if you can, please stand, we're going to read a few verses here. Uh, this is a well-known account, but we usually don't read the first part. We're going to start at verse 1. It says, It is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in the body I cannot tell or whether out of the body I cannot tell. God knoweth, such a one caught up to the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth how that he was caught up in into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which it is not lawful for a man to utter, or of such a one will I glory Yet of myself I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool, for I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me. And lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distress for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Again, I want to go to the Lord in prayer just to bless our message tonight. God, I come to you tonight just asking you to bless the reading of your word. I pray, Lord, that through your Holy Spirit, Lord, you would teach, empower this message, Lord, for without you, we can't do anything. I pray that you... Your Son and the Holy Ghost will be working here tonight in our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You can have a seat. In studying this, I, I came up with a whole different kind of point of view on the thorn in the flesh. Not that I thought that the thorn in the flesh was something different, although the, the studies that I had kind of give me an idea that it may not be what we always go to. And what we always go to is it was some type of uh, physical infirmity and it could have been anybody got any physical infirmities weaknesses of me or anything such as that awesome. yeah mine you know we got yeah, those awesome. things don't we this is again the, one of the champions of faith, Paul, the apostle. Uh, late apostle he was the missionary uh, he's the prototype missionary for for missionaries all over the world and this guy here if anybody should have been blessed by God this should be the guy Do you hear me if anybody should have been blessed it should have been him but yet it says there in uh, verse number two I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. So we have a timeline here. Okay, so the first point tonight is the heavenly vision in Revelations. Paul got to see something. He got to see something about heaven, uh, see a vision of heaven we don't know. He doesn't even know if he was out of the body or in the spirit. He he couldn't tell, only God knows. But he got to see something, but he wasn't able to tell anybody. Boy, a secrets hard to keep, ain't it? And you can read through Paul's writings, and I don't think you'll hear anything about this thing right here. But in the book of Acts, it tells us of nine different times that Paul was spoken to by an angel or had some kind of vision. But we never, and it tells us what those visions are, what those what those messages were. But here. This message is Paul's just saying, hey, there was a time when I got a vision from God, and here it is. I got it right there. And I can't tell you what it was. And the reason for that was, it's because it says there in verse number 5 or 6, I think it's in verse number, I'm sorry, in verse 7. It says, lest I should be exalted above measure. You ever see somebody that gets so religious, you're just like, what the world? What the world is going on? Paul was going to have to learn humility. Or maybe this incident helped him keep humility. But it also kept him from being exalted. What, what was Paul's testimony, Brother Bill, about his past as a Pharisee? He always talked about how high he was in that deal, didn't he? He said, I was a Pharisee, a Pharisee. I was the guy. I was up there. I went to school. I, I, hey, I worked for God to the highest degree. And maybe if he had been able to tell this story, this vision, this revelation, he, that, that's what he would spend his time doing. He would have said, hey, I'm the Christian that God spoke to about heaven. It says the third heaven there. What is the third heaven? Well, the first heaven is what you see when you walk outside and you just look out above the ground. That's the first heaven. That's the atmosphere. And then when you look up in the sky and you see stars and the moon and stuff, that's the second heaven. And then the third heaven is what we call heaven itself. That's what it's referred to in the scriptures. That's what Paul referred to it as. But he says, "...it is not expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord." And again, it gives us that time frame of 14 years ago. Now, if you study when the book of Second Corinthians was written, this was around the time that Paul was converted, probably about two years or three years afterwards. And it depends on if the timelines that I have seen are correct. What I believe, I believe he saw this, Brother Bill, when he's out there in that desert. You know, it says in Galatians he was out in the desert for two years. I think he got to see this. And I think that he could have become what we would call the theologian of his day, but that was not God's call in his life, Chase. His call in his life was to get the gospel out to the Gentiles. He tells us that over and over and over again. So he's saying, I could have exalted myself above measure and it would have messed up my whole Calling for God's will in my life. Now, again, I just kind of want to go through this. We, we see that this uh, this uh, thing here, exalted above measure. I did a little bit of a word study on that. Haughty, uh, self-exalted above measure. That word haughty means arrogantly, superior, and disdainful. You ever met somebody that act like a know-it-all? They just think they know everything. I mean, you ask them a question, they got an answer, and you're just like, they act like they know everything. I mean, and and for whatever reason, at this point, I kind of think about Job. I think about Job the whole, I think we did it a, a month or two ago, we looked at the life of Job, and the whole point about Job's book was to get him to be what? Repentant. Repent to God. And, and he hadn't really had a marked sin that was that bad. He was, uh, God said, he was the, a righteous man in his day. He eschewed the evil. He did good, Brother Bill. But maybe someone like a Job or a Paul, if they're a good Christian, they need something to kind of keep their ego down. And again, we'll get into this as we go along. So we see the second heaven, the third heaven, and Paul has this experience, but he's not allowed to tell anybody. And again, I think that this is, the purpose of it is to keep him humble and to keep him glorifying in himself again, okay? So that makes it kind of simple. Just think what it would have been like if that's what his life ended up being. We wouldn't have all those churches established throughout Asia and even into Europe. He would have been sitting in Jerusalem or sitting in Antioch, spitting out, you know, these things. And there would have been people saying that Paul thinks he's holy. You ever had somebody look at you and say, "Oh, well, you holier than thou or something like that. You know, they think because we study the Bible, we go to church, you know, you think we think we're better. We need to make sure that through what God wants us to do, we stay humble. Uh, just to give a little bit more of this, look at verse 4. Now, how that he was caught up into paradise, that's the third heaven, and heard unspeakable word which is not lawful for a man to utter. Uh, that's kind of a tough phrase, but I've seen some commentators say, hey, that's just things that people, if you told them, they would, have, they would struggle to understand or struggle to uh, put into context. And then it says in verse five, "Of such a one, I will glory yet of myself." I will not glory, but in mine infirmities. So Paul, and again, I've 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 heard people they'll start at verse number six or seven, and they'll give the story about the thorn in the flesh, brother Bill, but they won't give the first part. And I've seen a great connection here, and it's very clear that it's there because he says there. uh, He says. In verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of the revelations. That's pretty clear. I mean, you know, if you get, if God speaks to you in a way personally that it really helps you to uh, see something, that, that's beneficial. But if you see something that we would call as a grandeur or a vision, uh, maybe we don't need to boast that God spoke to us in that way. Just, just be humble about god's willingness to show us second point tonight and i just got two points human weakness and heaven's grace human weakness and heaven's grace again many scholars have guessed what this thorn in the flesh is but really no one knows now that word thorn uh that can mean just simply a thorn (laughs) a splinter, a piece of sharp wood, Miss Bernice, that sticks into the flesh. But it also has some other meanings. Uh, withered at the front, that is a point or a prickle, and figuratively a bodily annoyance or disability. So that that's why a lot of people say that it could have been his eyesight, which we know that Paul had bad eyes because he wrote somewhere, he said, see how big a, letter i've written you he had to write it so big whitney that because he couldn't see he had to write it in big letters so he could read it so while he wrote it but nonetheless i think it as we move on through this i don't think it's important what the thorn is i'm just thinking what the thorn its purpose was again it could have been that physical weakness it could have been that but let's read through this last last five verses in verse six for though I would desire to glory, shall not I shall not be a fool. See, I had to read that slow, Jason, for that to kind of resonate with me. And then he says, "For I will say the truth, but now I forbear, lest any man should think of me think of me above that which he seeth me to be, or that he heareth of me." There goes back to that thing. If Paul had started telling people, think about John, the, the revelator, in the book of Revelation. When did God give him the revelation of, of the end times or the meta metatowtow at the end of his life, Brother Bill? Because if he had gotten it early in his life, he might not have been able to minister all those years because everybody was going, man, that book of Revelation, tell us about that. Let's do a Bible study on Revelation. Let's Let's... What does it mean that, uh, that that everybody's going to be cast into the lake of fire? I mean, we understand it to a point today, but just think of how John's life would have been different. Everybody would have been wanting to hear him preach a series of messages on it, Brother Bill. But he was 95, 96, and he only lived a year or so after that. So again, I see reasoning for this. And it says in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. And exalted above measure just means simply what that means, exalted above measure. In other words, Paul's like, I don't want to be that. I don't want to go up over that. I don't want to be more than that because what happened, Paul says, there was given me a thorn in the flesh. Again, the word flesh is flesh. But some have said that maybe it was, A false teacher that had come along and disrupted and maybe partially destroyed one of the churches, Brother Paul, that he had. Some think that maybe it could have been a church member here in the Corinthian church that they were having trouble in. And that became a thorn in his flesh. What did Paul care? Not the most, but what was one of his main concerns? Churches. That was what he was in care of. I think that if he had a a thorn in his arm, I think, he could, I think he was fine. I don't see him complaining about his eyes. I don't see him complaining about anything. I don't see him complaining about getting stoned. I don't see him getting uptight about anything like that. But here, this is a spiritual matter. And then it says it's the messenger of Satan. And that word messenger is the same word as we see angel in the Bible. And angel can be a... Uh, heavenly, a created heavenly being such as we would think of as angels with wings or it could be your pastor or it could be a minister of dark darkness like Satan and he puts that in there a messenger or angel of Satan to what? What's it mean to buffet be- Slap! buffet means to jar just think Paul was going to have to deal with this thing all the way. Now, if you could pick one person other than Jesus that you know about in the scriptures, who would you want praying for you in the New Testament? I mean, I'd pick Elijah because he made fire come down. I mean, it, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, I'd pick Paul. And the reason I say that, Paul prayed three times. Brother Bill, three times. Now, Paul got answered prayers that we see in his epistles, in the book of Acts. He had direction from the Holy Spirit. He was in God's will. And here he has something come up and he prays three times. And it says that uh, he besought the Lord. Besought is a little bit more than just ask. He's begging. He's pleading. He's pleading. He's beyond just like, Lord, if you just help me get through the day. No, it was like, Lord, I need you. I got to have you, Lord. And he asked three times, and what was God's answer? My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Does that sound like an answer? That's what kind of derails my thought. When I first I said it doesn't sound like an answer, but I'm here to tell you that was an answer. That was. You hear people say that when you pray, there's three responses. What are they? Yes. Yes? No. No. Wait. 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 There's more. (laughs) It's God's will. Paul has had this revelation, okay? He's got this vision, he, and, and he, he, he gets this messenger of Satan. He put this thorn in the flesh, and it says there in verse 7, lest I should be exalted above measure. He doesn't want anybody to think more highly of him than he ought. He says that in Ephesians. He says that in some other places. And then he prays, and God says, my grace is sufficient for thee. Brother Bill, that's the answer he needed. I'm just saying tonight that maybe you've went through a situation, maybe you feel like you have a thorn in your flesh, an agitation in your life, and you're saying, "Lord, I've prayed. I have prayed. I've prayed." And you know what God says? My grace is sufficient. That's sustaining grace. Well, that's the answer, but what's, what's what? how does that help me to know that God's grace is sufficient because I know God's grace is sufficient. It, right here it is. My strength is made perfect in weakness. <clears throat> Aren't we supposed to pray? Amen. Pray without ceasing. That's the second or first and second. That's Thessalonians. Uh, Ephesians chapter six, verse 18, it tells us that in everything, 18 pray always with all prayer and supplications in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. It seems like here that Paul doesn't get an answer, and you say, Well, you know what, I'll just I'll just depend upon God's grace. That wouldn't be correct either. Because he might have said yes. He might have said no. He might have said, wait, but he said, no, my grace is sufficient for you, Paul. And Paul probably in his mind is like, I know your grace is great because he's the one that grace, wrote, writes about grace in all these books talking about how great his grace is. And God tells him, he said, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. In other words, that thing that's weakening us down should make God stronger in our life. It should make us, what's it say, perfect in the Bible, what does the word perfect mean? Complete. Complete, mature, something that we're always hoping that our kids will become one day, and then when we do, we're sad because they're leaving the house. <laughs> they're they're driving out of the driveway, they're 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 getting married, they're moving out, they're going, in our case, one went and got married, one went and got in the marines and was gone for ten years. for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Paul, right after that, says, Most gladly, therefore, I would rather. He changes his mind, Paul. He said, I would rather glory in my infirmities. In other words, instead of having that thorn in the flesh removed, I'd rather glory in my infirmities. Why? That the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, grace is that divine influence upon the heart and its reflection in life. And it includes gratitude, acceptable benefit, favor, gift, grace. God often uses situations in our life to bring us about in a situation where we never thought we would be. We never thought we would, would be in a position... And it's awesome how God, in this situation, answers in a way that Paul never asked for or never thought of. That's my point in this, all, this whole big thing. He prays, and he's asking for what? He prays that it might depart. That's what he says in verse 8. Wants it to go away, Paul. God, that's not what God says. And then when Paul gets the answer, Paul said, I will most gladly, therefore, I will rather glory in mine infirmities. And he goes on, he said, therefore, in verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Now, wait a minute, Paul. I I understand you getting God's answer and you saying, okay, I'm glad. I'm I'm gonna glorify God that he's given me his grace. But no, he says there in verse number 10, he says, I take pleasure. In other words, what they say about pleasure? That's a delight, isn't it? We flip that around backwards. They said delight was pleasure, but I'm turning it back around. It was, a, it was a delight. In other words, Paul said, I delight in infirmities. It's almost as if he's asking for it, Miss Bernice. Now how many times do we go through life and we have something happen and we just say, Oh, why has God put me through this? And again, that's where my message kind of just unfolded for me because how many times you heard me say that God does things really backwards than what we think. Uh, Jesus asked us not to exalt ourselves so we can be more powerful, Brother Bill, but what? To deny ourselves. Pick up his cross. Not to lead the way, but to what? Follow me. That goes against the grain of everything And when we can somehow marry the denial and marry the burden picking up to following Christ, when we can marry that together and then we see that God's grace is sufficient and when I'm weak, he is strong. Thou art weak, but he is strong. Jesus, keep me from all wrong. I'm not going to sing it, but anyway, that song just popped into my head. And Paul, here again, I think, he lays it out very good and in infirmities, reproaches, and necessities, and persecutions, and distresses. And why is this all going to happen? It's all for Christ's sake. I thought, Jace, I was getting away from the study of Ephesians, but really that fits right in with what we've been talking about in our book, Study of Ephesians. That Christ-like need in our life, that Christ-like desire that God tries to put in us so that we can emulate, imitate Jesus Christ, maybe it's because we have weaknesses, we have infirmities in our life, and we're saying, God, take them away instead of, maybe when he says, hey, my grace is good for you, you can take it. You don't need me to say yes, you don't need me to say no, you just need to know that my grace will get you through this. Because he says there at the end of verse 10, and again, this goes against the grain, especially in America, when I am weak, then I am strong. Man, Jace, does that not just flip the script on us? I keep thinking, you know, Brother Paul, if I could just get enough of the power of the Holy Spirit and preach the word of God and, and ask God for that power, and I should do that, but maybe I just need to be weaker so that he's stronger. I can, you know, you got the what the scales of justice, you know, that uh, she's sitting there holding a balance. I can't remember how, but I think she's holding it in their balance. Maybe I need to take me off of the scales or put me down at the bottom of the scale and put Jesus up here. And let him be exalted in my life instead of even, and I don't even think about trying to exalt myself. But Paul says, this was given to me so that I wouldn't exalt myself above measure. Therefore, I take pleasure. Most gladly, therefore, I would rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. How many of us, if we're really honest in our Christian life, we would like to have the power of Christ resting upon us? But if we're struggling to have our own power, it's gonna be real difficult. It's gonna be a hard pill to swallow. And Paul says, when I am weak, then I am strong. And then I thought about this. If the timing of all this was as I thought think it is, Paul says that 14 years ago, somewhere a little bit after my conversion, I've seen this revelation. Maybe that's when he got that thorn in the flesh, Jason. Maybe that's been the drive and the propelling motivation throughout his whole ministry. Now we, and, I, and I've said it, uh, people that come into a church, if there's somebody that usually works, they're going to be somebody that's probably going to do something in the church. But if it's somebody that's lazy Uh, They're usually not going to do too much, Brother Bill. Even if they get saved and get on fire with the Lord, they're just going to give a good testimony, and that's good. But Paul worked when he was a Pharisee above measure, but God needed to harness that working so that he could do what God asked him to do. And what was that? Again, that was to take the message to the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't need to have the revelation of heaven. They didn't need to have all that deep theological stuff. They just needed what? The death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Just like Paul stated in Romans chapter 1. Therefore, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. So, as we think about this, Paul's desire for souls, churches, spiritual growth of others, it may have been totally derailed if he'd have started talking about this. Vision, these revelations that he had. And I think that's what we need to kind of remember. Strength for Paul came through his weakness. Let's stand for a word of prayer. Dear God, we come to you tonight. Lord, messages like this and scriptures like this just remind me that walking, following your son takes discipline, it takes some wisdom to know that it's not in our strength and a willingness to surrender to the power that you've made available to us. And it's not always easy. It's not always plain and simple. Lord, there are people out there today that are going through something, going through issues, going through troubles, and they're asking God to remove it. Maybe they just need to be reminded that what Paul was told by God, my strength is or my grace is sufficient and his strength will made will be made real when we're weaker so god i just pray that you would bless the message according to your will speak to hearts speak to people lord there may be people listening on facebook or sermon audio or on the phone lord that They think they need to know it. They think they need to get everything removed and get this right. We just need to allow the power of God, the strength of Christ to rest upon us. And we must weaken ourselves and surrender to that power and let it yield its control in our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.